0: So today, um, we are, oh, if you guys know, like raise your hand if you're getting our 40 days of prayer text, like our specific prayer text. Okay, many of you, we have like 61 people on that. If you, so the 40 days of prayer is over, but we kept it going <laughs> because a lot of people are like, man, I'm so sad. F- I love getting these texts every morning of things that we could pray about as a church. And I'm like, you know what? If I spend an hour a week, I could bust out a couple weeks worth of prayers, and we could think about the themes we're preaching on. And so we're going to keep it going a little bit longer, and we're, gonna still, and we're also going to use that as a prayer chain. So if somebody is like, there's a prayer emergency, we'll text it out to that group. So if you want to be added to that prayer text, let me know after service, and I'll show you how to get signed up for that as well. Um, so that, that's really good. But we're taking a break from the 40 Days of Prayer series, and we are um today i really wanted to take today specifically to talk about tithing all right because tithing is one of those things where we we talk about in every service like hey there's a box in the back drop off your tithe but we as a church want to make sure we're teaching tithing we're, we're talking about what does it mean to tithe where do we get this from um you know and, and what that means um so we're going to talk about tithing and part of it is in second corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 you know paul asked the people, that they would excel in giving. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. And so he wanted the people to be generous, and he wanted the people to be a giving people. And so it's important that we talk about this, and and churches don't shy away from that. We do this in a godly way. Um, but, you know, the elephant in the room is is churches talking about money can be very painful for some people in here. You know, for, for a variety of reasons. And I understand that. I, you know, I preached on tithing many times. And I get many people with maybe past church hurts where, like, an elder of the church called them up and said, Hey, why aren't you giving? You know, or maybe somebody said, Hey, you know, I don't have any record of you giving. Why aren't you giving? And maybe they were giving in cash or in other ways or who knows what but churches have maybe caused hurt there in the past and different churches have different methods of how they approach giving Um, I'll say for me um, as the lead pastor here like I don't know what people give I don't see your giving statements um, and I don't get involved in that and um, I really don't get involved in any of the money at the church we have a treasurer that does that with the bill writing I just see what's coming in and what's going out but you specifically, I don't know what you give, um, and, and I won't look at that and judge you. So please know that that's my heart, not to um, look up what each one of you give and then judge you for it, because that's not what Jesus would want. And from the Bible, we know the widow who gave one mite, which was like one penny, gave more than all the Pharisees, who were giving, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Her penny was more than their offering, because it was in proportion to what she had. And she was giving out of, you know, the the little she had so i don't look at that or make judgments based on that but i want us to to teach tithing because i believe it's so important because money is tied to our hearts you know money is tied to our hearts and and it's very much a trust thing between us and god and if you want to see what people love and what what's your passions in life let me look at your checkbook If it's dirt bike racing, I'm going to see that reflected in your checkbook. If it's golf, I'm going to see that reflected in your checkbook. If it's just family time, you know, I'm going to see a bunch of trips to Chuck E. Cheese and Disney in your checkbook. You know, like we're going to see what's important to you is based on what your heart. And the Bible says where your treasure is, what? There your heart is. Where your treasure is, like where your money is, that's where your heart's going to be. And then it followed up by saying make sure you're storing up treasures in heaven. Make sure you're storing up treasures in heaven by sharing the gospel and the good deeds you do. So I want to lay that foundation first. Um, But giving is about faith. Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe he will provide for your every need? Do you believe that he feeds the birds of the air every day and makes sure that they have full bellies and that us, the children of God, he's going to make sure his children are fed too? Do you believe God is who he says he is? And he will provide for you. And he'll be faithful to make sure all your needs are met. So my premise for what I'm going to be talking about today is this. The Bible teaches that we should be giving the first 10% of our income to the Lord's work and then go above and beyond that as the Lord prospers you. The Bible teaches that we should be giving the first 10% of our income to the Lord's work and then go above and beyond that as the Lord prospers you. Um, so my hope is, is that every adult or everybody who has any income coming in will be faithful with that income to the Lord. Um, that's my hope. Um, I don't believe that we are 100% there yet, but that's my hope. Um, and it's not that I could become paid more. And I prayed about this in, this, in the prayer meeting before church. My, my, you know, what I never want anybody to hear with this is, you know, I just want you guys to give more because I want your money. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, It's nothing to do with me wanting your money. Um, I teach my children to tithe. And so when my children go do something next door for the neighbor and they get $10, we teach them that 10% you give to the Lord, 10% you save, and then the 80% you could spend on V-Bucks on Fortnite if you want. You know, whatever you want to do with that other 80% is up to you. But the first, the first dollar goes to the Lord. Um, because I, I, want, I want to break habits in their life. I want to break, break habits of hoarding. I want to break habits of covetedness. I want, them, I want them to know that everything we have comes from the Lord. And so the more we give, the more he'll take care of us. And I want them to know that. Um, and I want that same thing for you guys, too. Um, I want you guys orienting your budgets around God and every adult to be a good steward of what God has given them. Because... Every dollar you have, God has brought to you. Every dollar you have, you may have worked for it and it may be your income, but God has brought that to you and it's all God's money. He's just trusting you with it. And he's saying, from what we see in the Bible, is, will you be a good steward of what I've given you? Or will you hoard it? I mean, we see that story. I'm not going to get into the story because I have a, a bunch of other verses, but this rich man... He, was, he, he did so well in his income and his crops, and he had so many crops, he had to build a barn. And then he did so well after that, and he made so much more crops. You know what he did with the extra crops? What does it say in the Bible he did with the extra crops? He built a second barn, right? He's like, I don't even need one barn, but I have all this extra. You know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to build a second barn. And he's going, I'm going to build a second barn and just store it up for later. You know what God said? You fool. Tonight your life will be required of you because you were hoarding what I trusted you with. It's like, whoa. God's trusting us with every dollar we have. That's why, you know, I've always taught, like, we need to go through our budget with our spouse, you know, with ourselves, um, with, with somebody. Maybe if we're not good with money, somebody could help us to make sure that we are being faithful with every dollar that comes into our life because God God's trusting us with it and if we can't be responsible with a little I don't believe he'll trust us with more Um, So, so that's my premise trusting God fully with every dollar we have Um, So where does tithing come from? Tithing actually comes from the Old Testament and so if you remember when Moses led the people out of Egypt and they entered into the promised land the 12 tribes of Israel were given land in Israel. So you had this tribe taking over this portion, this tribe taking over this portion, but there's one tribe that didn't get any land. Does anybody remember the name of that tribe? Yeah, the Levites. The Levites weren't given any land. They weren't given any land because they were, in, they were the priestly tribe, and they were to oversee the worship of God, and so they weren't given any land, but the people were asked to give a tithe of all their income to the Levites. And so the people would tithe, and literally it says 10% of all your income was given to the Levites. And they would live off the tithes. Um, that was how they made money. And that's, they didn't farm, they didn't do anything. They, they, they led the covenantal religious system of that era, and they lived off the people's tithes. And that was good. And so that begs the question, uh, is that how we, are support, sup, how we are supposed to support our church today? Is that how we're supposed to support the religious system of today? Because we know the old law is done, now we have a new covenant in Jesus's blood. Is that how we're supposed to support today? Well, the New Testament teaches, um, first of all, that pastors should be supported, okay? Now, um, it says this in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. It says this, let the elders who rule be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So we know that Paul thought that the pastors or elders um, should be paid if they have given their lives to the gospel. And that's not a foreign concept. That's just what the Bible teaches. If these guys are preaching and teaching and they're devoting their time to the church, they should be paid, and so uh, they should be able to eat and provide, and so that's really what a lot of churches around us do. Um, some churches have pastors that are bivocational, which means they might work part-time, and the church might pay them part-time, and you know, they're paid their time. I'm so thankful that Jericho Road Church can pay me to be here full-time, and, and I could work on my sermon, and I can minister to the people, and lead classes, and train people, and and I am so grateful for that. And we see that there's a premise for that in the Bible. Because um, it says, you know, they should be paid. So Paul also taught that the people in the church should be giving financially. Okay? So we see that in Second Corinthians 9, 7. It says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Yeah, cheerful giver. So it's saying, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and each one should give and they should give what they've decided in their heart, not because of compulsion, which means the pastor calling you up and being like, hey, I don't see you giving anything this year. You really need to or you're in trouble. Um, No, it doesn't say that. It just says you should give what you decide in your heart and you should give cheerfully. Um, Giving is not an option for God's people, okay? It's not like, you can, like, and I, I believe it's not like we could choose to give or we could choose not to give. I believe he's asking all of God's people to give. Um, second, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says this. On the first day of every week, each of you, and this is written to the church in Corinth, on the first day of each, the first day of each week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, and then, you know, taking a collection. But it, it talks about, like, keeping with your income, like, If your income is great, you know, give a percentage. If your income is low, it's the same percentage, you know, that it's talking about here. So it's clear these three things from what we just read. The church should have a collection. The people of the church should be giving in proportion of their income. And they shouldn't be doing it reluctantly, but they should be doing it cheerfully. And that's what we see for God's people. And that's sort of my premise. So it goes back to, does it need to be 10%? Does it need to be a tithe? Like tithe means 10% whenever we say that, but does it need to be 10%? And my answer is yes. I I believe that we should strive to go there and we should strive to go beyond that. I don't think our generosity should stop at 10%. And I don't think God wants that for his people and I'll explain that in a second. Um, um, The tithe was required by the old law, the old covenant. And the Bible says we are in a new covenant and there's no reason to believe that tithing stopped with the old tithe the Old Covenant. So Romans 7, 4 talks about the the law. It says this, You also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. We are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not the old way of the written code. And so, Now we belong to, as the Bible says, not the old Mosaic law, but the new covenantal law of Jesus, the new law. And so we have this new covenant in his blood, a better covenant, a greater covenant, and this new covenant is a better promise. Right? This new covenant is a better promise, and everything is greater in Christ. Why wouldn't our giving be greater? Why, if everything is greater and every promise is greater, why wouldn't our giving be greater? Why would we go back and say it's actually less than what it was in the Old Testament? The church should be less generous than they were back then. Um, and the other thing that I go back to, you know, if, if people are asking, hey, what's the, what's the least amount I can be generous with and God still be happy with me? That has got to be like the worst question. Like if you're, like, that's like that dating couple asking, like, how far is too far? And I'm okay, (laughs) right? What's the farthest I can go with my girlfriend and still not be sinning? Okay, you know, like, that's not always the best question. But you see in Acts, the people weren't giving 10 percent. They were giving everything. They were giving everything. And if we're talking about, like, biblical standards, look at Acts 2, 44 and 45. It says all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. And so the people, they weren't giving 10%. They were selling their land and possessions, and they were selling it. And, you know, they were taking off their rings and and putting it in the plate, and they were doing whatever they could to make sure that there was no needs of the people in the church. And it was good, and it was great. And that's what we should strive for. So we're not talking about 10 percent. Um, it's everything needs some. everybody needs something, man, we're going to pitch in and do it. It's like somebody saying here, hey, the church's boiler went out. I'm going to go sell my hunting cabin. I'm going to make sure that's paid. Like, could you imagine what that would be like? Hey, uh, this guy over here is about to lose his house because he lost his job because of an injury. I'm gonna go sell my boat, and this guy over here is gonna sell his hunting cabin, and we're gonna make sure his house is paid off because that's what the church does. Do you see that generosity in the church today? I do in pockets, and I'm not saying that you guys. Like, I remember when we went to that house, remember up there in Twin Lake, where the, I think it was Teresa's house. We went to her house and we painted it, and we we like her whole yard became a junkyard where the neighbors would dump their crap. People paid for dumpsters. People went out there and cleaned all day for every 12th. And at every 12th, a bunch of people from J-Road went to Home Depot and bought her a lawnmower. They bought her rakes, and they were buying stuff just out of, like, generosity. And that was beautiful, right? And it's good. Like, but it's saying, like, man, is 10%, like, is that, is that good enough? Like, it's all God's, right? The needs before us. The goal should be that there's not a single person in J-Road that has a single need that we can't meet. That should be our goal, and it shouldn't be that. It's saying, man, the church's boilers out, and we can't have service here because it's too cold. I'm going to go sell my hunting cabin. It's like, whoa. That person has, like, a, a godly mindset, right? <laughs> this is what was happening there. Uh, and you see it again in Acts 4, uh, 34 and 35. Again, um, what is this? Two chapters later. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land and houses would sell them and bring the proceeds and the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed as each one had need. I mean, man, like radical, radical generosity. Generosity. Ten percent, in my opinion, for, for us as believers, should be the floor, and we should strive to go up from there. Um, when I was growing up as a young pastor, there was a guy in our church. Um, I won't say his name because maybe he's watching online, and now with the Internet. Everything I said is saved somewhere. So um, he was telling me about his giving, and this guy wasn't a wealthy man by any means. And I think sometimes if you hear this, you hear, "If, I'm, if I become wealthy someday, I will give, and that is not true. That is not true. I started tithing before I, when I was living in my mom's basement before I got married. <laughs> you know, like, I, and then when I got married, my wife and I said, No, we can't afford this big of a house because 10% of our, both of our income goes to the church. Like, we said that, but that, and that determined the type of car we got, the type of house we got, the type of debt we'd go into. It all filtered through are we giving God what is deserved Him first, or are we hoarding? And so that's how, like, we made all our decisions starting off. And so now as God has raised our income from when I was 22 years old, and, you know, everything goes through that same lens. And if you're sitting here and saying, hey, if ever I just get more money, then I'll start giving to the church, you're never going to do it. You've got to start where you're at. And it's proportionate to what you give. Some people here might be 5 bucks, Some people might be 5000 right? Both are good. Both are amazing. Um, my heart is that you don't see this and say, oh yeah, rich people can give because they have a lot of money. That's not true. Poor people could be some of the greediest people in the world. People with very little income and systems could be just as greedy as rich people. And rich people, like the richest per- people here, and as far as a net worth value, could be the most generous people that you've ever seen. It doesn't matter about how much you have. It's what you're doing with what you have. So this guy was telling me this and he wasn't a wealthy man, and he wasn't bragging. He was discipling me, and he said that I took God serious in Malachi when God said, test me, and so I tested God, and every year I added to my tithe, and he said the first year I gave 10% of my income to the church. The next year I gave 11% and so on, and he said last year, um, he said, you know, maybe this was about this time of the year. He said last year we ended up giving 22%. Of our income to the Lord." And he said, we have been blessed. He's like, God has taken care of us. He's like, this year we're doing 23. And I'm like, when are you gonna stop, man? You need to give a hundred percent in a couple of years? Like, like, I didn't know. But, but he said, we love it. And I asked him why he loved it. And he says, the more we give, the more God blesses us. And we love to see God's hand move in our life. And the more we think that God can't bless us, the more God blesses us. And so he, that, that's just where he was at. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. This guy did not have the fanciest house in our church by a long shot, did not have the fanciest car in our church by a long shot, and he was probably the biggest giver. And he didn't have the highest income in the church, I would imagine. And he was probably our biggest giver. So in my life, I tried to do that as well, um, and try to, try to test God and up my giving each year, and trust God with a little bit more. I think we did that last year, of how we could trust God a little bit more, and be a little bit more intentional with our giving um, And so that's just been a pattern with me and my wife um, and how we could trust them more. And and God has blessed us. God has blessed us richly. And I've never, ever went to our cupboard and said, we don't have enough food. And then went to the grocery store and said, we have no money on our debit card. That's never happened. And I am not wealthy from an income standpoint. (laughs) Right? Like, like, and God is taking care of us. And I just trust that he'll always take care of us. But he wants to make sure that we are being generous with what he has trusted us with. And if we close it close-handed and say, no, this is mine. This is my money, God. God's going to say, you fool. Don't you know that I can open up the storehouses of heaven and make it rain? And you're just holding back? Like, that's not how God wants us to be. So the other thing is, Um, J Road as a church, we give above and beyond 10% outside of our walls. So what I mean by that is like 100% of our tithe income that we get, we do not just reinvest it back into the church. It doesn't all go to like the staff. It doesn't all go to the building. 25% of the tithe income we get goes outside of our walls, okay? Okay. So we're, like, practicing what we preach and not saying, hey, every dollar we get in, we're just going to invest in our own kingdom here at J-Road. 25% of what gets brought in goes out. And where does it go? Um, I think I have a little thing. Um, So here's where 25% goes of your tithe. So every dollar you give in, a quarter goes out somewhere else. Um, Overseas missions, that's part of the Great Commission Fund that we as a church have decided to give to. Um, And a portion of, a percentage of your tithe goes to overseas missions to help people, like, um, Kirk and Valicia Reber and other people like that. The alliance has a beautiful structure so missionaries don't always have to raise all their own money, but churches from here, the prosperous churches, could help churches in other parts of the world. So we help missionaries so they, don't, they could do, spread the gospel overseas. So that's where your money goes. Um, a percentage of our annual budget is designated to every 12th, which we have funds. So if you guys have a project idea that you're like, hey, we need about $400 for this project, we have money for that and we will give it to you. But fill out a form back there and give it to Pastor Michael, okay? Um, so we don't benefit, like the church isn't benefiting from this, like our physical church isn't, but the church as a kingdom is totally. Um, church planting, um, Pastor Michael's church, Root's church, um, a big percentage of our budget is going to see in this church planted. And, um, you know, I, and from a earthly perspective, again, We benefit nothing from that as a church. We're giving, we're telling him he could take as many people as he wants that feel called to go to another church and see a new movement started. We want him, his church to get started and reach people that we will probably won't reach in a different part of the city that we're not reaching. But from a kingdom perspective, we are all winning. Do you understand? Like we're all winning. Um, And so a good portion goes to church planting so we could send Michael and his church out. Um, We have a benevolence fund to help the needs of our community. So if any of you have a need, we can go to the elders and request money and they've been super generous with this benevolent fund so we can help you with that um and then we have denomination expenses which we belong to the christian and missionary alliance and so when you see justin at every 12th you can say hey a portion of my tithe dollars goes to paying your salary buddy um but uh so our denomination expenses like we have a district superintendent that oversees all of our churches in our denomination is like a pastor to us pastors. So Justin, Pastor Justin, and Pastor Thomas George of our district, like we pay, like all the churches help pay for them as well. So 25% of our, of your tie that comes in, goes out and doesn't stay here. Um, so we, the church in general, I believe doesn't have a hoarder mentality. Um, and we, we try to be as generous as possible. So now what? Um, from here, I want each one of you to decide in your own heart what to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but cheerfully, and set a percentage of your income to give, and give intentionally. If you make hundred dollars a week, give ten bucks back to the church if you can. If you can't, see what type of debt you can get out of so you can be generous, Okay? Maybe instead of getting a Lexus next time, like maybe you get like a, uh, like Oldsmobile with like 150,000 miles because both are going to get you to point A to point B. But you're not going to be so strapped you could never give, right? And you're not going to be so strapped in those areas. And, and if anybody here gives casually, like, hey, if I have like money on me, I'll throw something in if I don't, like that's not how God wants us to live either. Intentionally sit down Set aside, determine a portion to give to keeping with your income and give on a regular basis. Again, I do this with my sons. It's not because I want the church to have their dollar that they earned. It's not. I don't, sometimes it's 50 cents. I don't, I don't do it because I want their quarter or the church needs their money. I don't want them to be slaves to this. I don't want my children growing up to be slaves to this. And so many of us are slaves to this, and we sacrifice our family time, and we sacrifice our marriages, and we sacrifice our kids, because we get a few more of these in our pocket, and we realize the few more that go in, it goes out just as fast as we came in. And when we leave, we can't take this with us. Like, I want my kids to understand that, that we have two types of treasures. We could store up these, which are going to be gone in a hundred years when we die, Or we could save up in heaven where we go up to heaven and we have an inheritance where moth and rust can't destroy and that's where i want my kids hearts to be not tied to this and so we talk about this hey you just earned 10 bucks today here go you know i'll help you break that you put a dollar in the giving jar and then you take a dollar to church and give and i want my kids to not be covetous with their money i do not want them to be hoarders i do not want them to be always chasing that next dollar in life and miss what's most important in life. Does that make sense? And I want the same for you guys. I want the same for you guys. Um, God says, test me. In Malachi 3.10, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven And pour out so many blessings, there'll not be room enough for you to store it. And saying, Man, if, like, this is the only time in the Bible God says, Test me. And that's where I told you about that gentleman at my church was telling me, He's like, Man, I upped my tithe and I was testing God. And the more I tested Him, the more He blessed us. And in the New Testament, Jesus says this He says, The more in the proportion that you give, it'll be returned to you, pressed down, shaken together. Uh, that next verse here in in Luke chapter 6, it says this, and this is an analogy of like grain. If you take grain in a basket, if you just pour grain in a basket, it'll be kind of fluffy. But if you shake it down and press it down, you can get a lot more grain in that basket, right? And so he's saying, do not judge, you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he talks about giving. He says, give and it will be given to you. A, in A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. The basket's pouring over in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My grandpa always said, when I throw money out, it comes back double. I don't know if he was, if he meant that, or if that was experience. But he said, man, when I've realized, when I've seen myself being general, generous, it comes back double. And I have taken this to believe that God sees the measure to which you give and he will return it back in the same proportion that you give. So if you want to be blessed richly, give richly. If you want to be, if you, like he'll give back to, the gener- to the, your generosity and he says test me in this. So my plea for the church is to strive and figure out how to give at least 10% of your income to the Lord's work and go beyond that as the lord prospers you as i said i'm not asking you to sell your hunting cabin so you could like pay for the church's new boiler um god leads you to that then that's between you and him i'm not going to say nothing about that but um some of us might need to sell our vehicle that we went into a crazy stupid amount of debt for so we could actually be a little bit generous in our lives does that make sense Nobody told you to go out and get an $800 a month car payment when you're only making $20,000 a year. It's just not, the money doesn't add up. We have awesome financial guys that have done uh, Dave Ramsey courses that can help you figure out your finances, right? And so there's people out there to do that. And so maybe some of us have to make some hard choices so we could actually um, be generous with what God has given us. And not every dollar just goes to debt. I want this for you, not for the church. I do not, I'm not saying this so at the end of the year, we make budget. God is always taking care of Jericho Road Church. I want this for you. I literally want this for you because I love you. And the same way for my sons is I don't want there to be anybody tied down to this. And that's why I preach this. And we could test God. And the last one I want to read is Acts 4:34. It says, uh, again, and there is not a needy person among them. Let me tell you this. Um, I've been on the elder board here at J-Road since 2016. To the best of my knowledge, we have never turned somebody away that have come to us for benevolence. Like, a J, especially if they're in our church body. If they're in our church body and they are a regular part of our church, we have, I don't think we've ever turned somebody away. We've paid uh, for heating bills, where people got they got really far behind on their gas bill, um, we paid for medical bills. We paid for car payments because people got in trouble and they were behind and they needed their car to get to work. We paid for people's uh, house rehab projects. We have never turned people away, and my hope is that we never ever have to for legitimate needs. I'm not saying you went to the casino and blew half your money, and you know we'll help you, but <laughs> we'll help you get on the right track. But my hope is that we never ever have to turn somebody away at this church, and that on a Sunday we could say, hey, does anybody have any financial need right now that's really weighing you down? Come see us after church and we'll take care of that. If it's, if it makes sense and the elders approve. Does that make sense? And that's my hope. Like, I want us to be there where this says, man, there was not a needy person among them. And that's my hope for us. Imagine if we could renovate somebody's moldy bathroom, and we could say, hey, this isn't even ever 12th project because we're going to screw up your bathroom, but we're going to hire this contractor, and we're going to pay four grand for them to redo your bathroom so you don't have to have mold anymore. Um, Pay off your medical bills. You know, some of us, you know, are still paying off a medical bill from five years ago, and if it was such a burden, the church could help pay for some of that stuff and mortgages and rents. If somebody wanted to adopt a child, how beautiful would that be? Because adoption could cost $30,000 and the church said, hey, we're going to cover that expense because J-Road is so freaking generous, we're going to pay for that. And that's my hope as a church is that we have so much at the end of the year that we could just put extra in benevolence for when these needs arrive. Okay. I'm going to pray. But last of all is because if I tie this back to the gospel, is that everything we do is looking forward to that day in heaven when we leave this earth and we step into heaven. That's why I do everything I do. That's why we share the gospel is so people could be saved and experience the goodness of God and experience his salvation. And that's how we should live our lives is that, again, this is very temporary. This is very temporary. We cannot take this with us when we go. And the only thing that will be held against is what did we do with what God has trusted with us? How did we use this? Was there needs among us that didn't get met because our people were so cash-strapped that we couldn't do it? And I want us to look forward to the treasures we help lay up for heaven, not just the treasures that we have here on earth. Because the treasures here on earth are very temporary. Let me pray. God, we love you and we worship you. And um, God, we know this is so important. Your Bible says that a man cannot have two masters. He'll either serve one and hate the other, and man cannot serve both God and money. And God, I pray that nobody here or online um, that's with us still, that we, are, that we are serving the dollar, that we are serving money. But God, we see that every dollar that comes in is a gift from you, and that you've entrusted us with it, and help us be generous in giving back a portion of what you've given us. And Lord, um, when it comes to, when it comes to your goodness and faithfulness, Lord, we give cheerfully, and we give generously, above and beyond any needs that come up in our lives, even if it's sacrificing some of the comforts we have, Lord, because we know that there is treasures and way more comforts in heaven. So God, we thank you in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.